Hello friends, welcome to Find Your Career Calling podcast dedicated to helping you find your next step outside of university by learning about different roles in different industries from the professionals themselves. In this episode, I have Tano Jacobs, who's a business analyst at the University of Sheffield and also co-founder of Skilled Funds, a personal finance education company. So welcome to the show, Tando. Thank you, Pauline. Thank you for having me. So would you be able to give a brief career uh, overview so far of your career path? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go back to my university days here to kind of give you the full picture. So I went to university back in about 2002, 2003, where I did a, no, sorry, not that far back, 2012 even, <laughs> 2012, 2013, where I did a, a, a year of university in business management at the University of, she- of Southampton. Mm-hmm. And after that year, I kind of had to drop off because of personal reasons. I didn't go back to university. I kind of took a gap year, and a gap year turned into two years. But in between that two-year gap year, what actually happened was I got a job in Barclays. And then I started to work in Barclays, and then there was kind of talks around, you know, I don't need a, a degree to, to have a career in banking because I'm already in the bank. I can work mm. on my way up and all the rest of it. So that was like, great. So I didn't go back to university. I just pretty much cancelled my university place and I started working in banking. I worked my way up, did everything in the branch, cashiering, personal banker, senior advisor, all the way up to the sort of pre-mortgage stage. And But eventually my career hit a wall. Right. So that, that summary, probably looking at about seven, eight years yeah. there, I'm in banking. But I hit a wall. So for those that don't know about the banking sector, in, in this is retail banking specifically, mm-hmm. you know, you can work from cashier to, to be a, a personal banker or advisor. After that, your options are to branch off to a different segment of retail banking. So that could be looking after premier customers or business customers or mortgages. But largely, the job is the same. It's just the customer space is different. And I didn't want that. I wanted a different, I wanted something different. I wanted a change. And so that led me to essentially go back to university and finish my degree, so to speak. But I was doing that whilst working for Barclays. So I was working for Barclays Monday to Friday, nine to five, and I was going to university in the evenings and on the weekends. It was two years of just nonstop yeah. working, studying, working, that studying. That really tough. That was... It was, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It was It was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough. Yeah. Um, what, what degree did you study? Business management. Business management. Uh, exactly, yes. Business management is what I studied. And this, the, but the good thing was that the degree was built around you having a job. Right. So, right. so it was, it's called a, the, the technical name of the course is called Business Management in Company. Mm. And this is specifically at the um, Nottingham Trent University. So if you're looking for, if you're looking for that kind of degree, that's the place you can get mm. it from. But that's what I was doing. So after that two year period, I essentially graduated with a first class. I'm super happy about that. And then I made a career change from banking into IT. And that's kind of how my journey's gone from, from all of that change. I'll tell you what, though, the reason why I made the career change wasn't just because I was tired or off, uh, so I hit a career wall. Right. But it was also that the environment of, of banking in general had changed and it shifted thanks to what we call digital transformation. Absolutely, yeah. And in simple terms, for those that may not know what digital transformation is, it is simply just something that changed and 
because of digital banking. So for example, a lot of people used to come into the branch to do their banking, but now they've got a smartphone with a mobile app to download and they can just do their banking with their smartphone. And so those shifts and those changes, although they looked good from the consumer's perspective, from an employee's perspective, I was thinking to myself, well, <laughs> where's my job going, you know? Had those little bits of, I'm not sure if in the next five, 10 years, this job will still be here, or if it will be here, what will it look like and what will I be doing? And so I thought, you know what, the best thing to do is to go into the space where digital digital transformation is happening. And that's the, at the core why I made the shift into, into IT, because I'm starting to plan my career a bit further now. Right. Yeah. And what was your experience of working in retail banking? What kind of skills that, for someone who's thinking about choosing retail banking over investment banking, for example, what would you sure. say are the main key points of working in that environment? Absolutely. I think, do you know what? Retail banking is a great place to, to be in, in general. It's a great place to start. You will get a lot of experiences. I know they have, a, all banks do a graduate scheme, for instance, where you probably spend, say, six months in cashier and six months in, in personal banking, and then within two years, you're a branch manager. Those jobs are really good. You, you really will learn a lot. I feel like um, working in the front lines teaches you so much at a fast pace because you're serving the customers every single day. You're seeing at heart what's really happening. The skills that you need to get that job, to be honest with you, you might be surprised, but they're not... They're not the kind of skills you would normally think they are. So for instance, you don't necessarily need an economics degree or finance degree to get a job in retail banking. The, the key skills are the softer skills, which are sort of communication, rapport, connecting with people, sales, talking, you know, because that's largely what the job is about. But the reason why I say that is because they teach you. The, te the technical knowledge, you know, when you get the job, you'll be taught all of these technicalities of mortgages, credit card, interest and all the rest of it. That's not, you know, that's got its place. But what's really key is the softer skills and time management, managing yourself, managing your workload. And those are kind of the re key skills to, to if you if someone's thinking about getting into retail banking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what was it like as a young person going into the place of work you said that you chose not to go to university what was your thought process when you were making that decision yeah so my thought process was that well before I got the job I was still heavily heavily focused on going back to university and then I saw the job online uh, and I applied for it because I, I knew I'd always wanted to go into banking or essentially I always wanted to go into finance should I say which covers a, a wider term. And I saw this job in Barclays and I thought, you know what, I will apply for it and see what happens. <laughs> and I got mm. the job. My mindset really at that time was that I knew what I wanted, where, which field or which type of job I wanted to go into. So it wasn't random that I got a job in Barclays because I was only looking for jobs within a banking sector. At the time I was working for Nationwide. Mm. But my, my contract was a, sh a short-term contract. So when I got that job in Barclays, that's my, that was the first time I kind of, that was my first real job, so to speak, with all the benefits and all the full-time per permanent contract, etc. And that transition was very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So, you know, when you're in university, you know, you've, it's, it's, it's a big place. You've got friends everywhere. You know, you know where you, you kind of know where you fit in. But you go into the workplace and all of a sudden you're, you're fitting in, but it's not, 
the, the one of the biggest differences are that there's variances of people, mm-hmm. different ages, different cultures, different perspectives, and you kind of all working together. And at first, that was quite a challenge to kind of navigate through that because, you know, you kind of come from university where almost everybody is your age or your age group, and you're all into the same things. Right. And you then go into the workplace and you're working with somebody who's 20, 30 years older than you and they are, they are your your mentor at work, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Or you're working with, you know, for, for instance, there was a time when I was the only uh, male mm-hmm. <laughs> in my job mm-hmm. for, for quite some time. And so that dynamic to kind of really take the time to just connect with people regardless of age or differences in, you know, what we do outside of work and all the rest of it was was, was there. But I think one of the biggest lessons, though, looking back, to be honest with you, was that I got heavily excited when I started to earn money. <laughs> real, what I used to call real money back yeah. then. That's, I got too excited and I started to, to, to spend that money and enjoy myself, so to speak, because I'd spent so long living on my student overdraft mm. that now when I started to get paid, it was, yeah, man, it was fun days. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, especially young men, can, <laughs> can you know, the flex culture is definitely well and alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I got a car on my third month or something. It was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was just the thing to do, you know. <laughs> absolutely. And I think as well, and this is a point that I want to make is because we, and because you have a financial manage, uh, financial coaching money management company, right? Yes. I think one of the main things that's lacking in the education system, especially in, you know, PSHE classes in secondary school is financial literacy it's a huge problem credit card debt is a huge problem as you probably uh, are familiar with working in, in retail banking and, and and you know inflation and the cost of living and wages deflate you know wage wage freezes it doesn't really help young people to get on the uh, property ladder and it doesn't help young people because they don't know how to manage their money <laughs> no one ever taught us i know and, and, and there's yeah. so much there's so much to unpack in that because first of all you know you go to university it's the, especially the university stage i feel like that's the that's the biggest part where this starts to really happen you go to university and banks give you a student overdraft and right. some banks give you a student credit card and some places might even give you a um, sort of student borrowing product. And so what you find, and, and what you find is that students need money in general. It's a, it's, that's a fact, you know. Exactly. You don't have money. So when you when you're faced with these products in your face, saying, "Hey, come back with us. We'll give you this and open this account, and we'll give you that." Or mm. if you sign up for this thing, you get a free pizza and a credit card. You know, mm. it's, it's like, and then you end up signing up for all of these things. And what ends up happening is that what you're saying, that lack of knowledge then leads us uh, or students to kind of think well I need a new laptop or I need a new bag or I need something for university I need to pay for it somehow my student loan has already gone to my rent my parents can't help me out so I'm going to borrow money wherever I can and however I can and so what then happens is you graduate from university and you're in all of that debt never mind the student loan debt yeah that doesn't count as debt (laughs) Let's let's ignore that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just ignore that one for now. We'll, yeah, forget that one. You yeah. already got your you already got your student overdraft. When I graduated, mm. I think I had like three thousand pounds in student overdraft debt um, that I graduated with, and and you're already in that debt. And so after that, you then get a job, and it's almost as if that that lack of knowledge is still there, and the system, whatever that is, 
expects you to just know what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> it's like have a credit card so you can like get on the property ladder, build up your credit score. But no one ever teaches what a credit card is and the fact exactly that, that you know and yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Actually I have beef with Santander because they never gave me the student the student bank account. And yeah. I really wanted that because they gave you the free rail card. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes yeah. this whole competition between the retail banks about what who can give the the biggest perks. Exactly. And they lure exactly. you in because no one ever changes their banks. It's such a sticky product. Absolutely. And and yeah, and it, that's the key. Yeah. They know that if they can draw you in whilst you're a student and by the time you graduate with that overdraft, the chances of you thinking about leaving are very, very slim because you're thinking, well, I've mm. got an overdraft from them. They help me out. You know, you've got that emotional attachment to them. But it's it, at the same time, that that is one of the biggest reasons why I started Skilled Funds. Mm. Skilled Funds is really just to teach this to people, young people and young couples. And the, the conversations that we want there to be is, is that, you know, Yes, I understand as a student you need money, but at the root of it, if you just learn the basics of managing money, and that could be summarized as budgeting, but it includes a whole host of other things. Mm. If you just learn those things, by the time you graduate, you may you will definitely be in a better place because the truth of the matter is this. If you learn how to manage your student of income, which mm. is not that much money, by the time you graduate and you get in the 30K, 50K, whatever it is, you know what you're doing with that. Exactly. Yeah. The danger if, is you start to earn that money and then you spend it. Yeah, it's all habits. If you know how to save and grow ten pounds, you can save and grow ten thousand and a hundred thousand. And it's all yeah, it's all habits. Exactly. So exactly. let's wind back a little bit. So sure. you are you did the Barclays, you did your degree after so much hard work, you graduated how did you then transition into the business analyst role at the University of Sheffield? And how did you start Skilled Funds? Sure thing, sure thing. So business analyst. So going back to that time when I was in university and working at the same time. So during that period, I, that's when I started to think about what exactly do I want to do here my career? And one of my career must-haves, and this whole concept of career must-haves is from the founder of LinkedIn, He's got a, a book called The Startup of You. His name is Reed Hoffman. And within that, he talks about sort of, you know, what do you want your career to have? Mm. <laughs> and there's a lot of things within that. And one of the things that he breaks down is that when you've kind of found out what that is, you've got to have a plan A, which is the thing that you're going to do or you're going to try and do. And then a plan B is what else are you going to try? And then a plan Z, which is the American term, of what's your backup plan if neither of those work and so business analyst kind of came up from that and the way it kind of birthed out from that was that I was thinking about again digital transformation companies are going through a digital transformation for instance right now we've had the lockdown happen and you, you will you will be surprised to know that some companies still aren't as digitally transformed as mm -hmm. they can be or should be so there's still a lot of work in that field and so I wanted to go into digital transformation but I had to do a self-assessment so I was very honest in the fact that, well, I don't have any programming skills, I don't have any coding skills, I don't mm -hmm. have any technical skills, but what I can learn is project skills and business, business analysis kind of birthed out from that. And so that's how I then learned the role and I started to look into what that role is about and I started to really dive deep into that. And then once I, once I read about it and knew about it and could literally map my experience as in banking, you know, coming back to the soft skills that I was mentioning, 
coming back to the soft skills, but also my knowledge that I was learning in university, those two put together were just perfect for the business analysis role. So I know that you're quite new to the role. Sure, Can mate. you give us an overview of what it actually entails? Because business analyst is one of those things, again, and I hate the word analyst because it can mean so many things in different <laughs> contexts, in different sectors. Yeah. In banking, it means one thing. In technology, it means one thing. You know, So yeah. can you tell us a bit more about what a business analyst, as it pertains to your current role, what does it mean? Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because it's, it, is, it is a hidden role, I'd mm -hmm. say. It's one of those hidden roles. And if, if there's one thing I would, I would also say to anyone listening to this who's a university is be open-minded because there's all of these hidden roles that you just don't know about. So business analysis or business analyst, in, in theory, it's a role whereby you are almost like an internal consultant to a company. So you're already working in a company and your job in that company is to work on projects whereby the company wants to either change the way they're working, build a new product, improve customer satisfaction, make more money, cut costs, improve processes, whatever it is that the business wants to do. As a business analyst, my job is to work on the projects that are doing that, but it's, put, it's bridging the gap. And what I mean by that is, a lot of IT projects will have an IT team, which is you know the developers and the coders and the testers and all the rest of it. But then on the other side, you have the business team. So the people that are planning, okay, we want this to happen and we want this to happen in our business and we want to change this particular process or whatever it is. But normally speaking, these two sides look at things very differently or they talk different languages. If you've ever been in a room with people who talk tech, they speak very techy. And people who are in the business speak very businessy. So my job as a business analyst is to kind of be the middleman between that, between that conversation, mm. to understand what both sides want, what both sides need, and just making sure that whatever the project is doing is delivering what both sides can can deliver. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And what do you enjoy, what's the most challenging part of the role, and what do you enjoy the most about it? Most challenging part of the role, there's so much I can go into that. I think one of the main things is potentially maybe what we call stakeholder management, which is essentially managing different kinds of people. Coming back to the whole concept of bringing the bridge between two sides, you know, you can imagine one side is like, one we want A, and then the other side is saying, well, we can't do A because A is hard and all the rest of it. So it's managing those different perspectives, those mm. different opinions, and it's just learning to to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, that's really tricky. Absolutely Very tricky. tricky. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, though, usually, usually people want the same thing. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, everybody in the company wants the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just the differences in approach Mm -hmm. that would then cause some friction but that's part of the that's part of the job and and what i love the most about the business analysis job i'll probably say that it's the variance in the job so literally i could work on very different projects with very different people right and you could i could be working on projects whereby it's it's a huge change that's going to affect the whole organization so i'm working with senior execs and leaders to something that's very specific to a very small team um, it's working with different people and different projects and ultimately at the end of it it's bringing that change and that improvement and knowing that my job is making this organization be better in what whatever it is that it wants to do so for someone who's listening to this thinking mm, that sounds like a great career choice let's i want to explore it further what kind of skills do you think or personality suits this kind of 
kind of uh, job? Sure thing. There's two there's two sides to this. So I'll start off with the personality because that's probably the, the easier thing to, to say. And to be honest with you, personality-wise, if you're the kind of person that loves to listen and mm-hmm. you love to, to work with different people in different places and you like a varied, you know, you like variances, you could be working on a project whereby something could spring up tomorrow and that changes your whole diary or your whole week. Or you could work on other projects whereby for the whole for, for one month everything is exactly the same. And just like that variance. And as long as you love working with people, you communicate with people, you're organized, you organize your work, and all the rest of it of the sort of those soft skills, then it's perfect for you. From on the other side, in terms of skills and knowledge, um, the truth of the matter is this in terms of the business analysis world, you have to have worked on projects if you wanted to get into this job, just to expose yourself on project work. Now, when I say project work, you know, you might be thinking, well, <laughs> I'm in university, well, how am I gonna get project work? To be honest with you, a project is really just anything that you want that a group of people want to do and achieve. So, for example, going on holiday with a, f- a group of friends, mm-hmm. in theory, that's a project, as long as, you know, what that means is you bring everyone together, you're making sure that everybody wants to go to the same destination and stay at the same hotel and travel with the same airline and you're managing budgets, making sure that everyone can afford it and what can everyone do. That's project in a, in a sense and that's a very good way of getting your experiences or your exposure, should I say, into that. But there are also qualifications that you can do that are designed for professional qualifications that you can do designed for newbies mm-hmm. into the field. And so if you search for, I believe it's called ECBA, and it's, a, it's an entry-level qualification to business analysis, which essentially just teaches you the basics. And it'd be good to learn the basics because there is a specific language that is used in, in the business analysis world. And if mm-hmm. you learn those, then the combination of those three things I just mentioned will, be, will set you up nicely. Great. Thank you for that. And how yeah. about the technical aspects? Mm. Technical aspects. So the technical aspects, I would say you don't need to learn the technical aspects of the job because that's what the tech guys are for. That's what the tech team is for. What what you would need to do is to potentially just learn to listen so that you can understand at a very sort of basic level how the technical mechanism works. And what I mean by that is that um, you don't necessarily have to learn any coding language, you don't have to learn any any uh, technical skills, any testing, Python, HTML, etc. But what you need to be able to, to do is just to understand that, okay, if I press this button, it, may, it leads to this page, for example. Because your job as a business analyst is to break down these technical elements and just make them simple enough that anybody who is non-technical can look at a diagram or can look at a piece of work that you've delivered and they can, able, they can, they can be able to see how the technical works. Because remember, it's two sides to this. There's a business side and the technical side. So what you'd be doing from the technical side is just understanding it. And then you then go back to the business side and say, okay, guys, the way this would work, say, for example, we're building a mobile application, is that if you press this button, the app would do this and it will show this page. And then when you type in your details and press enter, it will then show this page. And that's really as much as you would need to know, which I'm sure everybody does. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank yeah, you so much for that. That's a really great uh, summary of business analysts. And I hope that people actually explore this job as a potential career choice. Absolutely. So let's go back to skilled funds. 
Sure thing. Really great. So tell me your story behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've so as as I mentioned before, I worked in banking all those years, and I'll be honest with you, I I served a lot of young people in banking who, when I was an advisor, who you know would come in the bank and they'd want to get a credit card, but through conversation, I'd be like, I'd be like. Can understand that you don't actually know much about a credit card, but yet you want one, and that's nothing wrong with that. But then what that revealed to me is that there is that, that lack of knowledge in, in some people of of understanding. They might understand it a little bit, but there's more to it than what's on the surface most of the times. So, skilled funds is when you say co-founders, it's basically my wife and I who are working on skilled funds, and what we do at skilled funds is essentially we teach that person finance. And our story is that we've made mistakes, financially speaking. Mm -hmm. We've also had bad credit scores. We've, like I said earlier on, we've graduated with our student overdrafts. We've also signed sort of agreements and documentations that we didn't fully understand that have mm. then financially messed us up in the future. Right. And so we've done a lot of mistakes on our own, and so we want to you know, talk to other people to say, don't do what we've done. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, we've got the we've got the industry knowledge. So I've worked in banking. My wife, on the other hand, she works in the bankruptcy and insolvency mm -hmm. sector. So that's the other side of the scale where people have messed up that much that they got bankrupt. Yeah. Um. So so with with the personal experiences that we've been through and the industry knowledge that we've got, we're putting those together and essentially we're building this platform and that's why we call it an education platform because we want to teach this personal finance education in a way that it's everyday language and anybody will understand it and it's breaking down these financial jargon in, in a way that is clear. But it's not just about the knowledge. What we believe is that you know at the end of the day you have to put to action what you know because everybody knows, okay, I shouldn't spend money on a credit card I don't have. And everybody knows, I probably should start saving. Mm. But it's the action bit that's probably missing. And we want to tap into that to kind of show you how you can take that thing that you know you should do and actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what's, what stage are you in with skilled funds at the moment? And what are you doing to drive it forward? Sure thing. So we we launched pretty much towards the uh, beginning of this year, in theory. So the stage that we're in right now is our skilled funds. We've got our website, so that's uh, skilledfunds.com, and then we've got an Instagram page, which is at skilled funds. And we're at the stage whereby we are building um, awareness, and you know we're sort of talking to to everybody who's out there, saying, "Hey, we're here. We're here to 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 help, and we're here to support, and this is what we know." So we're talking kind of building awareness of the brand at this stage. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing building-wise in the background is that we're working on various um, products and services to put in place, kind of to package this information in a way that, you know, people can have access to a, a, a whether it's a, a book or a course, that they can learn these mm -hmm. things in a, in a really practical way. And, and, that, and that could be, say, a four-week course or something like that, where we kind of break down a, a way to really take hold of your finances, but also mm -hmm. be able to plan financially in the future. And so that's the, so, so we're still building that at the moment, but absolutely excited to, to bring that to life. Yeah, that sounds really great. So what's your yeah. kind of vision for it going forward? I know that you, you mentioned the courses and would you like to collaborate with other people? Kind of, have you met any money coaches, for example? 
Absolutely. So, so we love to collaborate with, with pretty much anybody who has the same heart and passion as mm. us, because ultimately, <clears throat> ultimately, you know, we're in this to, to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And that problem is the fact that there are a lot of young adults who don't have financial confidence, and that's the confidence to really manage their money really well, or even the confidence to know that their financial future is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. whether that's five or ten years from now. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to collaborate with anybody who shares that same heart with us. And one of the things that, in terms of the my, my vision for Skilled Funds, is, is that it becomes an education hub where people can come to learn. At the same time, my vision for that is that when people come to learn, you know, they will kind of go through a structured way of learning. Hence the name Skilled in okay. there. So the skill bit is basically saying that there's a skill to, to managing money. It's not just... Oh, I read a book and I know what to do. Mm -hmm. It's it's the skill, and skill needs you to to act on it. And the mm -hmm. more you do something, the more skilled you become at it, and the more skilled you are, the better you become at doing it. And so, skill has levels to it. And so, the the, the, the overall vision of skilled funds is really to take people through that journey of okay, we'll take you on, you know, we'll show you how to do it, and then you can do it, and then we'll watch you how to do it, and then eventually be at a stage where you can do it on your own. You're now confident yeah. enough to. You're skilled enough to do it on your own. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like a really great vision, really great thing to be working on. So best of luck with that. And thank you so much for, for being on the show. I appreciate that. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And anybody who's listening, consider business analysis as a great, it's a great <laughs> choice. It's a great choice. And check us out on Skilled Funds. If you got to the end of this episode and feel like you want to find your own career calling, then check out fycareercalling.com where I can help you gain clarity and confidence in your next step. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend because friends, life is too short. You got to find what you love.